Ronananian. I was watching Dr. Phil the other day, and he was talking about diagnosing somebody's mental state, and, and I liked his approach. He kind of does what I do. Um, differential diagnosis. He's looking for the difference of good versus bad, so sometimes knowing what's good tells you what's bad. You Car doctor. If somebody says, well, I think it's this or I think it's that, thinking isn't diagnosing. Thinking is a guess. I diagnosed it to this. That's a diagnosis. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls. At 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Hey, it's time to start your engines. Hello and welcome. Ronnie Nanian, the car doctor here at 855-560-9900. Here to take your calls and answer your questions. That is the car doctor's 24-7 phone number, 855-560-9900. More information at cardoctorshow.com. Um, this radio show is about fixing cars, and if you have any questions, any issues, uh, no such thing as a dumb question, just please feel free to give us a call. Uh, leave a message during the course of the week. The 855-560-9900 is, is 24-7 toll-free. You can call up, leave a message. No cost to you and Tom Ray, executive producer, will call you back, put you in the live queue. We are live out on the network Saturday afternoons, 2 to 4 p.m. I want to talk about the dumb repair of the week this week that's really not completed, but it's close enough. I I, I know where I'm going with it, and uh, I've got a direction. 2005 Honda Civic came into the shop this week at RE Automotive with the serpentine belt tensioner half falling off. It was laying away from the block, you could see that the tensioner itself had some wobble to it. And when I took it apart, I I found that the bolt itself was starting to shear and fall away or loose from its mounting support. Took it apart the entire way, took the water pump pulley out, the alternator, and, and snaked the tensioner out. To look into, there's a 10 by 125 thread pitch bolt that goes into the block, and looking in the hole where the bolt goes... Gee, there's supposed to be threads in there. Like, oops, um, isn't that a problem? And at first, I said no. They they couldn't be this stupid to make you know this a critical mounting area such as this part of the block. Like, okay, maybe part of a cover. You'd have to replace a cover. No, it's it's actually cast into the block. Uh, it is an all aluminum block Honda Civic. And they actually cast the threads for the cert belt tensioner right into it. So, and after some reading, I, I, I did some reading about this, and we've talked about this on other vehicles before. Um, yeah, there's a bulletin out for this. Certain, uh, I think, 0456 Civics have this issue where the bolt starts to loosen up and shear, and they, they want to change the belt routing. Um, some of the things, imagine that Honda made a mistake. How could that happen? I thought Honda's cars were perfect. And, you know, so forth. But now what do you do? You've got, a, you've got a bolt that has to go into a hole that has no threads and a car that only has 115,000 miles on it that's, you know, 12, 13 years old. So what do you do? Swing a motor? There's no way to get a drill in there. You want to drill it out to the next size and, and do a hilly coil is where my mind went. And I said, well, I can't really do that. 
because I'd have to lower the engine. I don't. Yeah, I can't lower the engine. I can't get it out this way. I can't. I have to pull the engine out of the car. And it seems like an awful lot of work for something like this. I wonder what happens if I grind the end of the tap just a touch, just sort of narrow it down in the nose a little bit, and you know, take a chance. It's already broke. I can't break it any more than it already is. It's broken. Um, and I wonder if I just, and if the aluminum, the aluminum is so soft, the aluminum is just a, such a soft metal, I wonder if the tap would find its way and act as the drill and the tap, I'm thinking to myself. Sometimes the best repairs are the ones that you don't think about. They're the ones that you just say, you know, you know, right, right to the wall and just, Let's just make it happen. Late in the day on a Friday, it's, you know, what Hannibal on the A-team would say, living on the jazz. Actually, B.A. would say, it's the jazz, man, but you get it. It's, um, it's, it's just the way you work. Quarter to five, I started this. It didn't seem like it was, seemed like it was too early to go home, especially on a Friday. Ha ha. And I ran the tap in. And I wiggled it and pulled it back out and shot a little air in there and a little cleaner and a little more penetrating oil, a little more cutting oil. Shot the tap back in again and working with a small quarter-inch wrench to turn the tap head because there's no room. There's absolutely no room in this. After about 45 minutes of in, out, clean, in, out, clean, kind of a repetitive process, I actually made a hole all the way down to the bottom. I... um. Uh, I, I tapped the hole right down clean, right to the bottom, got out all the schmutz or all the non-technical parlance, the, the bad metal, and I had an empty hole. Now i got to get a helicoil in here in an area where I don't have much more room than the size of my fist. How am I going to do that? Well, they give you this a helicoil, for those of you who may not know. A helicoil is like a spring with threads on both sides. You ever look at a, a, a spring like what you might find in a fountain pen? I'm dating myself here. Um, you know, if, if a spring was real close together, the inside diameter would have a certain thread pitch to it, and that becomes the thread for the bolt to attach itself to. A helicoil is made specifically out of a, a, a hardened steel so that it will embed itself into the product and, and grab and also give strength and support. We've helicoiled things for years, spark plugs, cylinder blocks, uh, you know, it it works. I wish I was the guy that invented helicoils. We wouldn't be here. Well, we'd be here. We just would we would own the radio industry. Um, so I said, gee, how am I going to do this? Because they, this big giant fixture, they want this adapter and this turnbuckle and this, you know, to, and you're, that'll never fit. Well, you know, when you're dangling by one hand 70 stories up, you might as well just take off a few fingers and really just, you know, call it all and just go right to the max. I threw away the guide fixture. I said, listen, at this point, I'm hoping the tap kept me square because it's aluminum. It's soft enough. And doing it by hand, the tap, you would hope, would follow the diameter or the bore or the square or the contrasticity, whatever word you want to look at, of the hole. In other words, the tool will do the work because you're doing it by hand. You just got to have slow, easy hands and take your time. Let's see what the helicoil does. I've got the threads. Put a drop of liquid wrench on the outside of the threads and took just the center punch, the center driver, and slowly, I mean, you know, started it by hand a couple times. Nah, it doesn't feel right. Take the tap, run it back in a couple times. Started it by hand, take the tap. You know, it probably took me an hour and a half to get this helicoil in the hole. When I was done, hey, look at that. I got threads. I got threads in an engine block. Maybe I saved this kid an engine. Maybe. Now the problem is the bolt is bent. 
And I said, well, let me see what happens if I thread this in. I threaded it in. And it goes in, and the cert belt tensioner sits flush against the block, so it lines up, it works, but there's a little bit of a, a notch in the way the tensioner pivots. And my, my thought is, because the bolt's got a little bit of wank to it, that it's it's loading the tensioner in in one direction, not the other. So after this week, I'm gonna we're uh, we're taking some mental health time this week coming up, and uh, we're gonna have a staycation at the house, um, and just think about fixing cars instead of actually fixing cars. But when we get back from staycation, uh, I have to go find a 10 millimeter one and a quarter thread pitch bolt that's roughly two and a quarter inches long, with an Allen head on it, um, roughly eight millimeter in size. How hard could this be? And you know thread it in and we should be good. But look at the look at the shallow thinking of the engineers at Honda. And once again proving that it's not about the quality of the carts. It's it's really about it's really about let's just build something and get it out there. You know, I've noticed it of late, a lot of the manufacturers, it's not just Honda. Toyota does it, GM does it, Ford does it. They're casting the aluminum blocks to save weight, have been for years, and they're putting what I call critical, let's take that too, they're casting critical component threads right into the block. Toyota does it with drive axles, the right side drive axle on Camrys. The right side drive axle bolts to a support, has a support going through it. That support bolts to the engine block. If that support ear breaks off, hey, you're done. All right, you have to be careful taking drive axles out. When do cars really become throwaway? Is it the mechanic's fault, or are they really just becoming throwaway by virtue of what they are? Because there's some things you just can't rebuild. The future of mechanics is going to be left to people with steady hands, calm minds, and clear thinking. And that time is really now. And then sometimes, as a mechanic, you're going to find that you're hanging by one hand 70 stories up, Sometimes you got to take a couple of fingers off and hang by one finger and say, you know what, it's already broke. What can I do to fix it? And that's, that's going to be the skilled craftsman of the future, the guy that says, hey, can I fix what can't be fixed? And how well does that come out? Just food for thought. Be careful when you're buying Hondas. Shame on you, Honda Motor Car. Have to throw away a car just because it's got, ah. Anyway, 855-560-9900. The Car Doctor's coming back right after this. Whether it's a little red Corvette or a Yugo, you've come to the right place to get that car fixed. Ron and Amy and the Car Doctor, 855-560-9900. Now, back to Ron. Hey, let's get over and talk to Rick in Phoenix, 08 Hyundai Accent, and some knocking around. Rick, welcome to the Car Doctor, sir. How can I help? Hi, Ron. Good to talk to you. I'm a yes, big sir. fan. Thank you for taking my call. You're very welcome. Thank you. What's going on? Okay, so I, I bought an 08 uh, Hyundai Accent uh, about a year ago, and um, since then I've been kind of fighting with it on and off so when, I, when I feel like working on it. But um, it, it has a pre-detonation condition, and it has no, it's not throwing any codes. Um, I've replaced many parts associated with fuel and timing, and um, at this point I'm... I'm I'm thinking that what I have, because when I bought it, it only had 26,000 miles on it, and it's a 10-year-old car, 
that the lack of driving of the previous owner has built up some carbon in the engine, and I'm thinking I'm, I need to address it probably in this way, which I've done with fuel additives, but it's not got it's, it hasn't gotten me anywhere so okay. far. So let me ask you, just out of curiosity, does it doesn't have an oil consumption issue, does it? No. Okay, oil. It's you, you're checking it in between changes, and it doesn't burn any oil. No. Okay. What uh, what what brand and octane of fuel are you using? I'm using uh, Costco, and uh, I I stick with the 87. Um, if I go to 92, with the, which they offer, it gets better, but it doesn't go completely away. Okay. Um, happen to look? Do you have a scan tool? Have you been able to look at fuel trim at all? I did look at fuel trim. Um, and I did not see anything out of the ordinary. Okay. Um, everything seemed completely normal in that area, which is... The only other thing I would look at is, um, well, a, a couple of things. Um, and I've j just because you're in a hot part of the country, um, all the air, and I'm sure this is true, but all the air intake ducting is in place and correct position? Yes. Okay. Uh, you know, I've you seen. Know, I've gone. Yeah. Huh? I was going to say. I've, I've gone around and listened and felt, and, and I've even, you know, gone around sprayed some stuff. I mean, it's a very limited hose. It's just one small hose that goes from the air cleaner into the. Okay. Uh, you know. Because I've I've seen, you know, with with the way they route, you know, intake ducts today, they want air from a specific source, and I've seen a few where there's open intake ducts before mass airflow sensors or some sort of. Uh, airflow sensor, and, and I've seen the, the warmer air create issues of detonation and, and, and change the way the vehicle operates. So, yeah, then I'm, I'm right there with you. It sounds like a carbon deposit issue. You don't have access to a bore scope by chance, do you? No, but they're pretty cheap. I've been thinking about getting one probably. They're like $20, right? Well, I'm not sure. The, the one I have was $1,200. Um, oh. uh, <laughs> So you kind of oh, you kind of you kind of got me there, bro. Um, <laughs> however, with my with mine, um, you can actually use mine to probe around the inside of your mouth and look at your fillings. Don't ask me how I know that. Um, it is surgical grade, so I can I can actually see the wow. grains of the carbon. Yeah, that's well because you know it's if you're doing it for a living, do you want to just see? I think that's you know this isn't like looking at pictures of the Mars rocks. Well, I, I think that's a piece of a wing of an airplane, or is that really a rock on Mars that we saw this week in the news? No, this is, you know, I want it down to the grains. I want to see actual deposits of carbon, and, you know, I want to see it before, and then after I do a carbon cleaning, I want to see it gone. Um, you know, there are things in between, you know, there's still, but I, I haven't seen anything for 20 bucks. I haven't seen anything for 20 bucks that doesn't work. I haven't seen anything for 20 bucks in the way of borescopes. Uh, I think the cheapest borescope I've seen is probably in the neighborhood of 2 250 and it's a very pixelated, granulated-looking kind of shot, which is why I, you know, went for the bigger money. Um, but it, you know, it'd be nice to have a borescope shot before and after. At least it tells you if you're going in the right direction. Uh, fuel system cleaning, nothing better than Berryman for a pour-in additive in the tank. The Hess technology is right there. It's still cutting edge. You can find it at your local O'Reilly Auto Parts. And if you want to go further, you know, and obviously follow the directions on the can, more information at BerrymanProducts.com. If you want to go further, then you've got to go talk to your mechanic and, and get some sort of a formal carbon cleaning top-end solution repair done to it. But I would definitely exhaust the potential of carbon deposits 
uh, before I looked any further. The fact that you know using a 92 or 93 octane fuel just makes it a little bit better, but not a lot. You know, yeah, I'm kind of inclined to think it's carbon deposits. You bought this car what two years ago with 26,000 miles on it? A, a year ago. With 26,000 miles on it. Yeah. So what did it go? Two hundred sixty miles a year? No, twenty six hundred miles a year. Okay, I'll get it. Yeah, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, twenty six hundred miles a year, you know, and you know, stupid question, but there is no such thing. Any chance it was used as a night watchman security vehicle, kind of a thing? Uh, no, I think it was privately owned. Okay, all right. Um, here's the kicker: I only drive about twenty six hundred miles a year. Oh boy. <laughs> um, when, when, when you get no. out, when you get down to O'Reilly Auto Parts for the Berryman fuel system additive, ask me if yeah, ask I've been if, using that actually. Yeah, ask me if there's ask me if there's a discount for case lots. Um, yeah, <laughs> you know. Well, here's another question for you. If you've got a second, yeah, go ahead. So I've been listen, I've been listening to another show and uh, on online, and the guy was talking about a customer he had who'd been putting fuel additives in with every fill up. And he's bur- and he's gone through four fuel pumps. Have you heard of this before? No, no, no not, that, not that that I that I haven't seen. I can't imagine you know the, how caustic that product would be. Now, my question would be: What are the directions on that can or bottle say? If they say right. safe to use at every fill up, then guess what? It's safe to use at every fill up. If they say right. use once every three months, then you better use it once every three months. There's, there's, you know, the auto repair industry is a lot like the military, all right? The scuttlebutt and the rumors and the stories that are always floating around in the air, you know, when, when the green flag drops, the BS stops because it's, it's time to really, you know, here's what's really going on. Um, anytime somebody says something like that to me, hey, we went through four fuel pumps using a fuel tank additive, prove it to me. Show me where that's written. I'd like to really see that, because if that was my vehicle, I'd be writing to the manufacturer saying, you guys owe me four fuel pumps. Um, I don't buy that. I, I, Again, what are the directions on the bottle say? Use that Berryman. Try a formal carbon cleaning. Get yourself a better bore scope. Let me know what happens, Rick. I appreciate the conversation. And, uh, um, thank you for being there. 855-560-9900. The Car Doctor's cruising back right after this. Don't go away. Let's get on over and talk to Scott in Maine, 69 Chevelle, and some rebuilding questions. Scott, welcome to the Car Doctor, sir. How can I help rebuild this classic? Scott? Hi, Ron. Yes, sir. I'm an ex-Jersey boy in a beautiful state of Maine. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, There's a 69 Chevelle that everything everything has brand new in it, Uh, from the brake lines to the calipers to wheel cylinders. And I'm just wondering what you uh, recommend for uh, brake fluid in that new system. I've used I used silicone in the hot rod um, at the time, and I'm going back a couple of three four years. There was a product, and I, the name is the brand escapes me, and I could find it and talk about it next week. But there was a brand out there that had two different colored brake fluids. One was red, and one was blue. And the idea was that if you ever flushed it and changed it, 
the way you would know it was changed would be that, you know, you started with red and you ended up with all blue, and then you started with blue and you ended up with all red. And I thought it was a great idea. Sure. Uh, you know, as a matter of fact, I've got, I've got blue in there right now, and I've got one can of red left. And the reason I say left is because somebody got a hold of this idea and said, oh, no, we can't have red brake fluid. It would confuse the people that are too stupid to read the bottle yeah. and maybe think it was trans fluid, so they banned it. Um, it's no longer available, exactly. which you know just goes to show you how we're stupidifying America. Um, uh, but I, I like the idea of silicone. I, I think I think it's especially on something that's going to sit at the very least dot four. Um, okay, I wanted, wanted to use the silicone just so I know it doesn't eat up the paint. Well, yeah, more, yeah, yeah, and I'm, yeah, I get that, and I'm, you know, bleeding is a nightmare, and you know, you've got to take the wheels down and put rags everywhere, and. And you're going to do that anyway. You're going to do that. You know, the causticness of regular dot four is just as bad too. What did you use for brake lines? Stainless steel or regular? Stainless. Okay. Yeah. Um, are you prepared for the leaks? <laughs> There's no other way to ask that question. Um, uh, yeah, I, I did stainless on the hot rod, and I don't know that I would do it again. I mean, it's great and it's nice, but boy, I'll tell you what. You, you'll get that fitting as tight as a drum, and it still leaks, and you're like, what am I doing wrong? Um, one of the tricks I learned was that putting a drop of oil on the threads of the line before I put it into the fitting just seemed to give it a little bit more glide, and I could get it firmly seated into the adapter or the fitting or the master or the wheel cylinder, wherever it was going, and that repaired the leak. But I had a couple of leaks putting it together. I had a couple of small issues to deal with. It just seems like stainless doesn't, you know, because that stainless seat, you know, when you when you when you make the double flare at the end of the line, you know, that yep. stainless seat doesn't crush into the brass as easy because it's so hard. Sure. And, yep. you know, it just, but I get it. You know what? The stainless is nice. It's, it just looks gorgeous stuff. Um, I think that there was, I think there's one line on black that I didn't make in stainless. I forget which one. Uh, you can't really tell. I, if I look at it, I can figure it out. But I ended up just I ended up just stroking the line clean, and I cleared it. I put some clear lacquer on it, and you know it'll it'll never corrode. It'll it'll be like that forever. Uh, you know, just because how often you're really going to drive it? You're not going to take it out in the winters of Maine. Um, no, you know, no. so no, but, it's a convertible. Uh, so. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Um, hey, one other quick yeah. question that you have. Yep. Um, I'm looking to upgrade my scan tool. Right now I have a software on a laptop and it's actually the name of its scan tool. Okay. And I'm wondering if I should, you know, stick with another software item or go with a launch or uh, how much money do I have to spend? You're recommending. Excuse me? How much money do we have to spend? How much money? Yeah. Um I'd like to stay, you know, you know, under four or five. Um, take a look at the launch stuff. Five hundred. Yeah. I forget their models. Are they Millenniums? Um, I believe they're Millenniums. But the the launch product is good stuff. Their latest. Their latest. I think the Millennium Nineties is what they are, and I think they're in that four five hundred range. Very nice scan tool. Um, but you know, when it comes to scan tools, the other thing I always think about too is I always think about the shop that's selling that older tool that maybe is a couple of three years old. And they don't need it anymore, and they want to upgrade to the next greatest thing. And I, I tend to look on eBay, and you know, what can I buy out there? What can I buy out there in the way of a Snap-on? It's probably more than a four or five hundred dollars, but then how many more features do you want? 
you know, do you want, if you yeah. want vehicle specific, if you want to be able to do some special function tests, some exact function tests, you know, then, you know, maybe it's, yeah, unfortunately, you got to spend two grand. You just restored a 69 Chevelle. You know what it is to spend money on a car. It's just part of the process. Yeah. Um, yeah it's, I know. It's a lot, lot longer than you ever think it's going to be. Right. You know, you can always tell car people when you go out to eat, because if you look around the restaurant, the guy with the most expensive meal, it doesn't seem to really, it doesn't really seem to numb him out. Um, that's the guy that just restored a car, fixed the car. <laughs> you know, he just, he just, just, I don't <laughs> yeah. know. They just, they just have a different, you know, like, yeah, whatever. Just, you know, yeah. give me my food. I want to eat. Leave me alone. Um, yeah. uh, but I would look at that too. You know, there's a lot of snap on scan tools up on eBay, or maybe you catch the local snap on guy. He took something in on trade. And even if it is two grand, how much more of a tool is it than some of the smaller generic tools? And, you know, that to me, to me, that's a whole market. I've said this to my Snap-on guy more than a few times. I think they're missing the market. I think that's, uh, I think that's a heck of an opportunity for them, uh, you know, that to, you know. There's, there's the other thing lot. is that you can upgrade it easily, too. Right. Well, and then there's that. So how much longer life, you know, if, if you buy it for two grand and you get another three years out of it and it's, it's, a, it's a $900 update to get another year out of it after that, you know, now you got four or five years out of a tool. You know, people look at scan tools and they're saying, well, gee, I don't understand why I bought this two years ago and now it's obsolete. Do you know how much technology developed in that two years? Um, I just I, I, I quickly. Yeah, I, you know, I had lunch this week with someone we were talking about. He, he, was, he was a stockbroker guy. And we were talking about technology, and somehow we got on the subject. It was a casual conversation, but somehow we got on the subject of technology. And he said, did you ever stop to think that technology stocks today are in their infancy? He said, imagine where we're going to be 100 years from now. And, I, you know, he's right. You know, it's, we're not going to have cell phones. We're going to wear a bracelet or a necklace that's going to shoot a holographic image up with a keypad, and I'm going to go, I want to call Tom Ray, and I'm going to dial his phone number right, right in the air, and then I'm going to be looking at Tom's face, which might be scary, but um, the idea would be that, yeah. you know, it's, it's, you won't need a cell phone anymore. It's going to be all... So, you know, imagine, look at what's in cars, for crying out loud. Look at the technology that's there. Um, a rolling computer. You know, you can tell, you know how I can tell how many computers a car has? Because I've got the same generic OBD2 tool, OBD2 tool hanging by the shop door, real quick. And I'll plug it into a 98 Corolla, and I'll watch it boot up, and here it comes looking for the computer, and okay, it found it. And then the 2015 Camry comes in the door, and you have to look at codes real quick, and you plug it in, and you can say this, and bam, and there it is. And it's updated the screen, and there's all the processors, and it's like, and you're like, wow, look at the speed, look at the look at the power of the CAN bus, and look at how fast it's rolling along. Uh, you know, there's that that's got to be worth a scan tool upgrade just for the sake of doing it. Um, so anyway, that's the deal. All right, just uh, silicon brake fluid. Be careful what you do, and uh, take a look at those other scan tools and more information. Obviously, online snapontools.com. Eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. Ron and Andy, the car doctor, coming back right after this. What's more fun than listening to Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor and getting that car fixed right? 855-560-9900. Give Ron a call. Now, back to Ron. Hey, let's get over and talk to Dan in Detroit, 03 Ford F-350 diesel and some power window and radio problems. Dan, welcome to the Car Doctor. Hello, sir. How are you? Good, sir. What's going on? Uh, just wondering what's ailing my old truck. Um, when you when you lose, you lose radio and power window operation, do you happen to notice, does the dashboard illumination go out no everything else works okay you're sure 
you know what? <sighs> not not the operation of the dash, but the illumination, the illumination lighting. I can't be sure. I can't be sure. I know the 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 clock on the radio goes blank unless I turn the lights on. Then I get the dim display. Right. Of just okay. Does that okay. tell you something? Yeah. So let's do this. I, I want you to hook a scan tool up for this problem. All right. I, I know that's not easy for everybody, but I'm looking for specific fault codes. Um, there are more than a few that tell the tale. I'll tell you where this is going to end up. Um, for example, and I, I won't blow you away with technicality, if this has a B1342 in the Keep Alive memory, this could very well be a bad instrument cluster causing the radio and power windows not to work. All right. So there's some very specific repair procedures about checking power and grounds to the cluster, and then the cluster itself has to be replaced. Uh, there are some. There are also other things. What, what what happens is the instrument cluster provides power and control to the accessory delay relay, which accessory delay relay. Say that three times fast. Which supplies power to the power window switch and the radio. All right. So right. so the way this is going to work is if the cluster checks out good, let's go to the delay relay, which I believe is in the underhood battery box. If the delay relay is providing power to the radio and power switch, then, then you've got the unique problem of having two separate component failures on the same circuit that have nothing to do with each other. But I don't think that's going to be the case. I think this is going to be a, a conversation where I think the cluster is going to be bad. Uh, you know, if we look at if we look at 40 plus cases, 30 of them are bad clusters. Two of them are bad um, uh, fuse box issues, and the rest get down into minutia. All right. You want to scan on this guy, huh? So yeah, you got to start with a scan. And you know what? It's a little bit of an involved repair. Do you got a pencil? I'm writing. Um, Ron at cardoctorshow.com. Yes. All right. You send me an email saying, "Hey, Ron, it's me, Dan from Detroit. I will dig into the database and I will I will send you a step by step diagnostic routine um, about the laws of probability and what this takes. Be advised if it does need an instrument cluster." It has to be programmed with a Ford factory tool. Got it. All right, so there's a little bit of work that has to be done here, but this is a very common problem with these vehicles, and, you know, 75 80% of the time, it's a cluster. Okay. All right, so let's do that. All right, kiddo? Thank you. You're very welcome. Good luck, and uh, like I said, shoot me an email. Let's go over to Ron in California, 89 Nissan Maxima, and some questions about suspension. What can I do for you, Ron? Yeah, um, so I put new struts all the way around on this car. I'm an old hot rod guy, but I'm working on a Nissan for a friend. Yeah, it's okay. And uh, the problem is it's got on the rear strut, you pull the rear seat out, and you can see the top of it. And when the suspension cycles, whether with a jack or if you're driving it down the street, that strut rod is actually moving up maybe half to three-quarters of an inch and I can hear it rubbing, and then it kind of clunks as it gets all the way to the top, and it clunks again when it gets all the way to the bottom. So it's I, it's it's traveling because it's not locked, right? I I I can't find like a picture of an exploded view of the strut. It's just too old. Nobody's doing it on YouTube, you know. And I I hate to think that there was already a piece missing when I got this old junker, but I put together all the stuff that I had with all the new parts that came with the new strut. And uh, is so, there something maybe that's supposed to lock it from underneath? Or? No. Is, is this a stock strut, Ron, basically, or is this a modified strut of some kind? It is not a modified. It's, a, it's supposed to be a stock replacement. 
Okay. So it looks just like it. Can't you go to like have you tried looking for Nissan parts online and find a dealer that's got a catalog online it'll show a blow up of the strut? I, I haven't had any uh any luck with an eighty nine. Mm. I, I did find a couple but um I mean, they were they were so blurry and terrible to look at. Yeah, I couldn't. Yeah, and that's and that's and that's the other problem because it's you know it's eighty nine. It's 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 more than a few years old. Um, I got the Haynes, but there's not a single picture in that uh, catalog that is of the car I'm working on. I don't think. Yeah, Uh, do this. Send me an email, Ron at CarDoctorShow dot com. Uh huh. All right. Send me the seventeen digit VIN. I'm on vacation. I'm on vacation this week. I'll be bored, so I can look up car parts for you, and I'll send you back a reply. Okay, great. All right, brother. Take good care. Let me know. Bye-bye. 855-560-9900. The car doctor's coming back right after this. Hey, welcome back. We're on the end of the car doctor. Let's go over and talk to Bob Phillipsburg, New Jersey. Mr. Bob, we have two minutes. What's going on? Okay. Uh, 1973 Volkswagen bus camper. Uh, automatic transmission. I need to get uh, clutches and steels and bands and gasket set and everything else. You got any clues? No, and they're tough to find. They really are. No kidding around. Obviously, I'm going to tell you to search online, and you know that's number one. There's a there's a bunch of places that everybody talks about. I never had any experience buying anything from them because I've never, you know, I can't say I've ever repaired a '73 Volkswagen camper transmission. Um, but then again, why would you need to, Bob? If it's a camper, can't you just stay wherever the car is stuck and just start living there? Isn't that the whole idea well, of having we a camper? A, we, they want a flat toe a beetle with this thing. Oh, okay. So they've really got the bug. Ha, ha, ha. No oh, pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, uh, you know, my concern is, is, uh, uh, is there a shelf life with the uh, gaskets, the seals, the, you know, the clutch plates, and everything else? Yeah, I mean there is. I but you know the other you know, and then again, it's it's how well were they stored and under what conditions? I think if if the rubber is encased in some kind of plastic, it's you know it's 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 okay. Uh, you won't know until you you know physically see it. But that's are all valid questions. Um, there's got to be rebuilders out there, and I think this is where the power of the internet comes along. It just makes life so much easier that um, you know just. So sourcing and researching and find maybe a Volkswagen camper forum um, or Volkswagen transmission forum and what's everybody else doing. I always say to people, yeah. when, when, when you're in this scenario, unless you're like me, you're not lucky enough to be the first guy and only guy to have this problem for the first time. So there's somebody else that's learned from your, you know, from, learned from their mistakes and they talk about it. So don't take the skin knuckles, use the power of the internet and let it find it. Bob, I got to go. I appreciate the call. Um, and as always, yeah, keep them coming. Hey, real quick from the folks over at AllDataAllData.com. August is National Break Month. I like the recent article in the uh, All Data DIY magazine about cost versus care, explaining why certain cheap break jobs don't really last and you want to do the job right. More reading over there on the AllData.com website, and uh, thanks to them for that. I'm Ron Anini and the Car Doctor. Till the next time, good mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See you.